as a tape recorder when I was a tween. And in retrospect, all those recordings were obscene. But now I'm an adult and I can laugh at myself. Why not play them for someone else? These are the tapes and I hope you enjoy A slice of nostalgia through the ears of a boy Travel back in time with a familiar sound Let's all get lost and rewound Episode 5, Hangin' with the Danzigers In this episode, imaginary friends listening to the radio And an interview with Kyle Bailey Hey, everybody. Welcome to Lost and Rewound. I am Alon. I am Jimmy, a.k.a. The Hoth. That's right. And together we are on... And off. Because that's just the way it is. And we are joined yeah. by the woman who makes it all happen. <laughs> Sociological voice of reason, Melissa Lloyd. I love that you give me more credit than I deserve. I do that with a lot of people. <laughs> it's one of your best traits. So here's the rundown. I used to carry a handheld tape recorder around with me during my middle school years of the mid-90s. These recordings have gone almost entirely unheard until now. Jimmy, along with Melissa, will be listening with fresh ears and provide commentary as we dive into the rough and raw sounds of old media, specifically that of the cassette tape. Ultimately, we hope to achieve absolute humility as we come to grips with the sounds of our youth and attempt to connect the dots between then and now. Without further ado... Let's begin. Ron, do you have an imaginary friend? Not exactly. Do you, have, do you have an imaginary friend? Nope. Then you can't come. Goodbye. Right. You have to have an imaginary friend. Okay. Let's go up. Let's go up. Let's go up. There we go. Up. Up, 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 or up, then we are right up. And we're going to change the Hi, my best friend is Mr. Waddle Duck. No, wait, it's Mr. Waddle Loop. Waddle Loop? Yeah, he's invisible. Oh, wait, I can see him, and right now you're walking on him. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. And we're back. It's, I, it's not my mind to comment. To tell I don't you even guys. know where to begin. I just like, I, or did you, either of you have an imaginary friend? I never had imaginary friends that I would spend time with, like the same recurring character. But I often placed myself as a child into lots of uh, imaginary situations. For instance, I used to, when I was a kid, uh, wear knee pads and elbow pads to pre-K. And there's pictures of me in like, the class photo. With a sweet, sweet panda sweater. You weren't skateboarding? I was not skateboarding. And they, the knee pads that I had were like little kid knee pads. So they were like bright red. And they had these like really cool blue streaks. And I just pretended that I was a robot. And they were like my part of my gears. And that was like the, the hinge joint for my knee. And I would walk around in like in pre-K and just be like, I want to play with blocks, you know. <laughs> like the creepy dude from Grandma's Boy? Uh, except the little kid. Yeah. And also imagine at the same time that my hair was down past my shoulders, too. I had really long hair as a kid, a little hippie you, you, kid. You didn't like wear Jesus a, hair? Yeah. You didn't wear a helmet, though. You just wore knee pads and elbow pads. No, I didn't wear a helmet. I didn't like wearing a helmet at all. So I didn't wear <laughs> I wore just the knee and elbow pads. I thought, well, I'll try to just like... You know, if I'm going to eat it, I'll try to go elbow first. 
<laughs> what about you? No, not you, Melissa? No, I didn't really have an imaginary friend. I think the closest I got is I played by myself a lot when I was a kid. And so, like, when I would play with all of my Barbies, because I was that girl, I'd, like, 40 of them. I would do all the different characters and the voices and the stories, but they were, like, in my head. If my mom came in to see me playing, she'd be like, what are you doing? I would just be sitting there with my dolls, like, standing there facing each other. Um, but, yeah, I didn't have, like, an imaginary friend who sat next to me at dinner or anything like that. The nature of the clip uh, speaks more about my relationship with, uh, I think, the first person who was saying, do you have an imaginary friend? And I was like, no. Well, then you can't come. And uh, that kind of, I think, fits more into the recreational side of childhood and being in school. Because I remember there was two playgrounds we had. We had one playground uh, in one side of the school, and then the other was this brand new, like only about three or four years old playground. And there was one part of this playground because it was all like new wooden construction with uh, like mazes and you can intercoms and swings and uh, jungle gyms. And it was all in this like sort of interwoven connected mausoleum. Not, not just it was <laughs> mausoleum. No, this yeah. isn't a playground. It's a tomb. <laughs> no, but I, know I, don't, I don't know what I was about to say. No, I, it, it was it was it was like it was a, a, a it was a labyrinth, I think, more or less. It, it, you, you can get get lost really easily and but there was this one particular part of the playground called the guitar car and so brooks who actually was the original voice there um him and bob and uh ben were you know the bees and they called themselves the killer bees and i was an e so i couldn't hang out with them and i was relegated to the guitar car gang so i was ed ott, i was part of ed ott the guitar car gang and ed ott was this baseball player i remember and that's the only reason that i knew who ed ott was and so ed ott the guitar car gang was me and so it was just a sort of a precursor that i didn't have an imaginary friend so i also wasn't included in this particular game i also wasn't a part of the killer bees um, so the imaginary friends thing is more just about the sort of the playful disclusion of uh, not being a bee and not having an imaginary friend, I guess. I wonder if Wu-Tang one day was walking past your playground. Some kid was like, kill the bees. And like, you know, Ghostface was like, we got it. <laughs> it did not happen. We got yeah. it. Doug confirms. Yeah, lost her around. Running on unearthing secrets. <laughs> but I think it's like when you're in fifth grade, when you're 11 years old, do you have any real reason to have an imaginary friend? I guess if you're like that bored on the playground you and you have that much of an imagination, you're sort of given the pass to be young enough to sort of be in your own little world. I guess maybe. I don't know. I think the way I remember by fifth grade, though, we were starting at least to, even if we weren't actually older, think we were cooler and older. So there wasn't as much imaginary friends or stuff like that. I remember like third and fourth grade out at recess or playing after school, like you still would make up, like if we were missing a prince, we would imagine a prince. Or if suddenly instead of the jungle gym, it needed to be the junk, like the actual jungle. That was cool. We were all, we were all game for it. But then by like fifth grade, instead of playing on the jungle gym and trying to stay out of the river, we would just like go sit on top and talk about boys. That's, that would be sort of the same thing I did. Yeah. Actually, totally <laughs> talked about boys and braided hair, Jimmy. I uh, braided lots of hair. Braided all your Jesus locks. Um, I didn't have long hair by that point. It just occurred to me that I do, in fact, have another clip that I think we can play that pertains to this uh, very, very accurately. So let's take a listen, as this has some relevance to the whole imaginary friend argument. Uh, let's take a listen. Hi, this is me on the playground. Here I am with James. Watch this. Hi, James. Hi. How you doing? 
Now, when we listen to a clip like that versus the other one, I think they fall in lockstep with each other about just exactly what kids are into doing when they're not playing sports or just, you know, chasing girls or boys that, you know, I don't know. There, there's definitely a sense of boredom that comes when you're on the playground. You have the time to just sort of be a kid. Yeah. I think there is that point when you stop, you know, actively I mean, it's maybe it's the transition from like I'm going to pretend to be Batman to pretend to be like an athlete. Maybe you still you get into sports that much, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm like you know I'm Derek Jeter, and you're like doing a swing. Like I I had a transition like that. I feel like when I was in fifth grade, and I would be trying to be like David Cohn, and like that was like a big deal to me, like to try to like. And then I heard the story about it. David Cohn. Uh, he was really crappy in the minors, and he was going nowhere, and he was bunting one time, and his pinky got shattered by the ball. He bunted terribly, and his, it healed very strangely, and it was all curved, and after that, he could throw like a master, and it like changed his whole thing. So I still remember when I was a kid, and I would try to pitch, I would always try to like put my finger and like twill my pinky around to try to make that, that good pitch, but it, it never worked. Similarly, when I was younger, I used to wear around a uh, that really cool uh Super plastic Batman mask, you know, the blue head Batman. With that's the one where it has a little, little tongue slit where you always like cut your tongue on it because you're constantly sticking your tongue to that thing. <laughs> but at least you had elbowing and uh, knee pads. No, I didn't. I, I dropped those. That was like a strictly like four year old thing. And then I was like five, okay. and I was Batman after that. I would, I would love to see Robot Jimmy. I have pictures of Robot Jimmy with a Batman mask. It's in you know. There's a regular picture of a bunch of kids in pre-K, the class picture, and one kid's a robot, and you you can see it. And I was in the front row too, so you're gonna have to find us a copy of that. Oh, I will. I will. Um, I guess it was kind of cool when you were in in that in that realm of age, and then you went on Halloween, and then you would be able to come to the school with your costumes, and then you would just, I guess, I don't know, pretend to be. Something that you... I uh, got so into Halloween, dude. Yeah. I, st- like, I still do. Like, Halloween is still one of my favorite holidays. But as a kid, I, I remember my very brief sort of brush with comic and superhero dumb. I um, used to watch the old Adam West Batman on, like, Nick at Night or Saturday morning. One of those, they would rerun old TV things. And so for Halloween, when I think it was, like, five or six... I went as the purple suited Batgirl, like the, with the red hair and everything. And my mom and I spent like three months working on this costume, buying all the pieces, like buying the wig and cutting the hair off and sewing it into the hood. And it was awesome. The costume, uh, there's got to be pictures somewhere. But I fucking loved Halloween. Like, when, if you guys, like, I guess, sort of had that incentive when you had the costumes or even not the costumes and you would play out video games or play out uh, like superhero uh, like comic book situations. And I think that might even just be sort of a perfect um, replacement for having imaginary friends. Like you know where you are, but you just feel like you want to reenact something from a TV show, something from the, a comic book, from a movie, etc. Yeah, I think there's that like when you're that kid maturity divide. Because it's funny because my father always tells that story about me wearing the Batman mask. So we're walking on the street. And he go. He calls to me. And when I was a kid, he uh, my nickname was Mooley, 
I know it's kind of like a racist term, but he called me Muley. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he was like, hey, Muley, uh, let's go. And I said to him, I'm not Muley. I'm Batman. And I did it like <laughs> that Batman voice, you know? And uh, he always, that always stuck out to him. Uh, and I always thought about that the same way. But it's an interesting thing when you say dressing up as these characters or whatever on Halloween and such. When I was, uh, I want to say like 12, um, I, me and my friends dressed up as video game characters. We, we dressed up as the cast from uh, Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, dude. I don't know. I was, um, what the hell is that guy's name? Zell, the guy who punched with the spiky blonde hair and okay. tattoo on his face. You know, like white, you know, uh, what's his name? I checked uh, out after Final Fantasy Five or seven, technically. I didn't really even play Final Fantasy seven, so I kind of checked out after that one. Final Fantasy eight was the one with the gun blade, <laughs> with the gun of a big ass sword, and it was also a, like a revolver at the same time. But we didn't. That was the whole thing, as I remember, is that we, you know, we were dressed up as these video game characters, but never once did we try to act out anything from the game. We weren't trying to ride chocobos or. You know, like, we weren't, like, trying to, like, fight monsters or, what like, are you doing, dance Jimmy? around. Riding the imaginary choke, <laughs> riding my chocobo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever that thing was like. Yeah, and play stupid music. No. And what, our, what our poor listeners can't see right now is Alon and Jimmy sitting here trying to act this out <laughs> in their chairs, doing the bodily, doing the gestures that go with it, and they are hilarious. Even if you don't know... Final Fantasy, you see a chocobo, and you may have some relative understanding for what it is. It's like, oh, that looks like some anime character. Or, oh, that looks no nothing. Yeah, chocobo. If anyone at I home do any doesn't Final know, Fantasy. it is a. Uh, it was basically instead of you know you ride a horse typically. That's usually the steed you have. Um, and then you know certain fairy tales, people would ride other things, wolves in Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> um, but in Final Fantasy, you ride oversized chickens. Um, they're really big chickens. They, I got that's the kind of like they kind of like an animated feature about them, like a mixture between chickens and uh, so like an anime chickens so... and ostriches, like a mixture between chickens okay. and ostriches. Yeah, and they're really friendly. You know, they're nice. Everyone like they're always happy. You like they. There's always like some kind of great game and a really goofy music that plays while you're riding them. And again, as a kid, you know that's you wanted to be on that chicken, but <laughs> you know I didn't go that far. I didn't go that far. Probably one of the reasons why it was so easy to have imaginary friends, especially, is when you didn't have pets. So I didn't grow up really with pets up until I was in fifth grade. And even like during these tapes, I remember there was one particular uh, clip that was not worthy of bringing to this because it was really that stupid and I, I have a lot of humility trust me but it just doesn't make sense where it, there's this clip of me in tell my, the story along i'm in my bedroom pretending to hang out with a s snow leopard <laughs> <laughs> okay and i gave this snow leopard a name i think it was like snowshoes <laughs> and snowshoes oh, was like just jumping all over the room and like I just made these sound effects. No snowshoes. No, not on the carpet. No <laughs> snowshoes. Bad snowshoes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really silly. Correct. And, and you couldn't keep them contained. That's, nope. that's such an that's such a, like a little kid alone. But that's the I thing think. that you can easily you can easily create any sort of imaginary friend without there actually being a vision when you are using audio as your main component for uh, creativity. I think that's a good where place to end on. Uh, let's uh, take a little break, and then when we come back, we'll make fun of the 90s in a different way with stuff from the radio. It's Lost and Rewound.
Menziger. Hi, we're going to Red Lobster. And we're back. And I have a confession to make. I have never, ever eaten in a Red Lobster. Neither have I. It's okay. I've never been to a Long John Silver's. I have. I went to Long John Silver's actually in... I have a funny story about Long John Silver's. Mm. It was in Iowa near Des Moines, which is... That place is devoid of any activity at all. I mean, it's unreal. But um, we actually drove past that famous, you know, Buddy Holly pasture and all. But uh, when we were there, we went to a Long John Silver's and we had parked across the highway and then we walked across the highway to this Long John Silver's and we had to walk through like a field of corn which I got cut like once or twice wasn't great but we get over there and we walk in and again it's Iowa so everyone looks exactly the same like we we could have bet that they were all related and we get there and they thought like they look at us with this like this kind of ghastly look on their face and we don't know what the deal is they like and they're just like how did you get here? And we're like, what do you mean? And they're like, where's your car? Like, well, did you just would you just walk down the highway? Like, where'd you come from? We're in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, we just parked like five minutes across the road there. We walked across the highway. It wasn't like there was traffic to get across. Or to, it's like, Iowa. Yeah, and they they like literally we were still eating. And I remember like 20 minutes later after we got in our like you know fish niblets. <laughs> they were like they were like and then they walked right across the highway can you believe it I'm gonna they used their two legs probably still telling <laughs> that story these days like, and I'm gonna let you in on a little secret in the rest of America you drive 10 feet like nobody walks anywhere ever right yeah, I I mean, so the whole concept crazy. of like parking across the street and then walking over you you drive from like strip mall to strip mall there's no no it's true I remember when I was in Florida we were in the parking lot and like we're going between like in the mall between different stores and my uncle was like yeah let's just drive to the other part of the parking lot and then I was like dude why don't we just walk through the mall and get there eventually and then remember where we're at and come back later no 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 you drive you get then, your car and you, you move your car I get looks of disdain you move your car. <laughs> did you ever listen to radio in the car yeah yeah what, what kind of stations did your parents listen to uh, my parents always had the uh, classic rock stations on. Yeah. yeah. No, I because my parents were pretty young, so I remember my mom was more or less my age. So, like, it was the early '90s. I kid you not, when I was like four or five, my favorite song was um, the Proclaimers. I will walk 500. I would walk 500 miles. Great song. In the Benny and June sense. Yeah, which I never actually saw Benny and June, and Me I had no idea what Benny and June was, but I'd heard that song on the radio, and I thought it was the coolest fucking song ever. I forget who I, is that Johnny Depp. I forget who is. Actually. I think Johnny Depp was in Benny and June. Yeah, I didn't see it. Well, we've got the we've got the nod. We just got the nod that we have a we have a clip. We do have a radio clip. We have an applicable clip. A few actually. So let's take a listen. Hit it. When can my heart beat again? When can I be so dumb? When does the pain never I don't know. You'll have to find it for yourself. When do the tears stop running away? I don't know. When does you get over the I don't know. I hear what you're saying, but I swear. I can swear. Making sense. Sense? So when can I see you? Oh, yeah. When can I see you again? You'll have to find out for yourself. You'll have to find it out for yourself. Bye-bye.
Okay! Sweet surrender. Oh boy, I, I surrender this. Again, I think with these tapes, especially with the babyface clip, I can hear adult Alon doing this exact same thing. Like if we just dropped the voice a couple octaves, like out of prepubescent squeaky, you could do that right now, and I would not be surprised. Who's to say I haven't been already? I I definitely still do that, and I definitely did that as a kid as well. Listen to the radio, talk back to the song as if you're having like some kind of commentary with the person singing. I I would always do that stuff. I remember I used to often sing um this is something i haven't told a lot of people <laughs> Aha! Uh, secret time i used to often sing a lot of elton john when i was a little kid um like i was really into the lion king and i used to sing when the lion sleeps tonight a lot and uh, i definitely didn't know the words right and i probably sang like the same one verse over and over and over again but i was you know it's one of those things yeah you hear some song as a kid uh you make some kind of connection to it but at the same time you know, that idea that when you hear a song and the song, the person in the song is singing about, like, making love to a woman or something. I was going to jump right <laughs> on that, too. Like, do you guys remember or remember when you finally realized that you don't understand what the songs, like, half of these songs are about or what mm-hmm. you were saying? Like, Well, I knew as a kid. I knew I didn't know what was up. Um, but I... I think I knew I didn't know what was up, but I knew that I couldn't let anyone else know that. Right. Like you were, yeah. You didn't want to be like, oh, I don't know. What does make love? I don't know. I Oh, I remember a good example. I was a huge fucking teeny bopper, loved me some Spice Girls, and that Spice Girls song, To Become One, was totally about sex. It sounds like it. Nine-year-old me totally didn't get that. Totally had no clue what was going on in that song. I fucking hated the Spice Girls. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. My sister sister loved that, and I think I liked the first song, then after that, I was just... Way it was just way too much spice mania for me to deal with. Oh no, yeah, I was one of the screaming Spice World girls. I was also I I did the whole teeny bopper thing. I was into Hanson. I was into the Spice Girls. I was Team Backstreet, not in sync because Nick Cannon was so much cuter than Justin Timberlake. Nick, what? Ouch. Nick. Cannon? Or not Nick Cannon. Nick Carter. Nick the Cannon. Carter. The Carter. Right. The Nick Cannon. Nick, Nick Cannon. You're good. Nick Cannon you're good. You're, you're, my you're okay. <laughs> I. I, I can't st- I can't stand that show he hosts. I saw Drumline, and I still don't like you, Nick Cannon. <laughs> but Drumline was kind of a sick movie. Um, uh, it was a good movie, and I was like, I definitely was like, this could have been with any other actor, and I would have been much happier. So the baby face in that clip, actually, I think wasn't even from the radio, now that I think about it. I think I might have been watching the Top 20 Countdown on MTV. I, mean, that, that's I always... used to watch that shit. I oh my god, a lot of VH1. It, 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 oh, s- pop-up video. More than radio, I think TV was very prevalent in my life uh, growing up. And when I had uh, cable growing up, but, you know, some people didn't have cable growing up. But I, I did have the chance to watch MTV on Saturday mornings and I'd wake up uh, whenever it was. I guess it was like 9 a.m. It would be from like 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And they'd do the top 20 countdown with Daisy Fuentes. <sighs> Yeah, I remember she was watching beautiful. a lot of MTV. Not, not, not quite as much MTV, but definitely a lot of VH1. And actually, if we're going to backtrack for just a second, pop-up video. I, rem- I remember in fourth grade, mm-hmm. 
I figured out that I needed glasses because I had to get up and move closer to the TV to read the bubbles on pop-up video. Wow. And that was, my mom finally caught me sitting like four feet from the TV. She's like, what are you doing? Like, I can't read the things. I have to get closer. She's like, we're taking you to get glasses. And thus began. And I got cat-eyed frames because Lisa Loeb was still a thing and I thought she was really cool. That, I mean, that song was big for a while. That song was huge. 1994 was Lisa Loeb's year. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely got more into music because of the TV than I did off the radio. Because, I mean, I didn't obviously wasn't driving a car when I was a kid. I mean, I don't drive a car now. But I didn't have a radio around, but I was watching television a lot. still remember when I was a kid that one of my favorite songs was uh, Sledgehammer. Was that Peter Gabriel? Oh, yes. sure. That music video was so cool where he's like, he's like, like bashes face and claymation yeah. and all. Yeah, that kind of stuff was Back wild. Back in the day, like really cool, interesting music videos. I haven't watched a music video in like a long time. I don't even know what they're about now. They, they, I don't think they probably don't exist in the same way. Surely you can see them online. Uh, and OK Go has certainly made an yeah. um, industry out of making music videos for their songs, but on TV, I don't know. Yeah, if but, I ever need like an infusion of music videos, I'll just get really hammered and put on like ten Busta Rhymes videos, and it's like I'll be satiated <laughs> for ten years. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the nineties um, Missy Elliott videos when she was in the giant puffy suit. Those were amazing. Whatever. When the Hype Williams, Hype Williams, the Hype Williams was, days, was yeah. was the, one of the premier rap directors. I mean, he still is a premier uh, music video director. I, I I wouldn't be surprised. I, I really don't know this if they made one of those DVDs like they made with Spike Jones and um, and Michelle Gondry and Chris Cunningham. They should make a Hype Williams music video. DVD that was also right. too like those the late nineties, early two thousands, like the heyday of Atlanta hip hop too, like Southern rap. Yeah. The whole LaFace thing. Did they still use fisheye lenses constantly or is that like I, an old no, thing? no they did. Probably. They definitely they still did up in yeah. If they were doing pixel 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 fan uh, not what is it? Uh, pixel art, like the pixel pen covers for the rap uh, stuff like the pen no limit. Pixel. Pen and Pixel, thank you, Doug. Pen and Pixel stuff from like the No Limit, uh, Cash Money kind of days. I'm pretty sure they were doing fish shit lens. Yeah, I feel like uh, big booty girls and I whatnot. remember fish lens. I remember a lot of fish lens. My TRL days. Some things never die. Yeah, I think that if the guy that you know, invented the fish eye ever knew, like that one day it would be, I would find its perfect medium. Was it some dude with a mic yelling directly into it? <laughs> it's the best way. I'm thinking about it. Like you can't just rock a fisheye lens at your wedding. Like it's just it like looks weird. Like it just is not. Late useful. '90s music videos. It's not useful for a lot of like stuff. It just looks awkward. It looks weird. It's strange. As a, as a good segue, though, you know, especially with that other clip, I think that one of the worst trends to come out of the '90s was shitty remixes of old songs. So that remix right there of a what a night was totally remixed by some he's probably he's probably out there listening to this being like i was the one who remixed it and i thought it was great oh, well, i getting, got so many residuals from back in the day you're exactly. giving us way too much credit here i don't know if we're gonna get that kind of distribution i'm gonna go back on my slide man, i remixed what an oh what a night in 1994 and it was amazing <laughs> it's, oh what a night it was dude it sounds corny and someone also remixed uh, uh as well i think um what's going on and the first time i heard it i thought it was like it was a house song and then when i heard total eclipse of the heart i definitely thought it was sophie b hawkins because these weirdos were just remixing it and putting it on all the dance stations well, that yeah. song was on my sister's favorite radio i do station remember now. like 93 94 like that was the whole grooves in the heart phase like they did all those crazy dance songs for everything everything yeah. I, I do i don't remember what you're talking about and then you're not making things sound better. You're just making it sound cornier. Fuck, like it's just yeah, fuck yeah. that. No, but then okay, I remember, and I actually don't know if I ever found out the answer to this question. 
like years later after that when i th- I don't remember what grade I was in at that point, but when the re- when Ignition came out and all you heard was the remix to Ignition, Hot and Fresh Out the Kitchen, was there ever actually a remix or did he or an actual Ignition or did that he just first... song is the remix, but it was was go- there an Ignition? Yes, yeah, there, there, is, is. there is. It's not as good a track. It's like maybe that's yeah. why I never heard it. Yeah, it's just like he even so he even came out later and was like, I did the regular one, but like I intended for the remix to be like the one that I wanted to. I made he made a song up. so he could remix it. Cool. Well, he's R. Kelly. He also made a song about being trapped in the closet. We're, we're, we've already talked about this. I'm, it's 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 Pull terrible. My it's terrible. <laughs> Let's just not go back. Let's uh, stay away like from run, the closet. I Seriously, like trapped in the closet, running jokes. <laughs> uh, but does I, anybody else? Did anybody else? Because Alon, you taped some of this. Did you guys actually make like mixtapes from the radio? Do you remember like running across the good, room to push the record question. button when your song came on? Good question. Um, I think everybody did this, and. That's actually a great idea now that you think about it because uh, we would love to be able to have as many people contribute mixtape lists if they have any. And you could definitely email us at lostandrewound at gmail.com with just just a playlist, really. Just, you know, dig out your old mixtapes and give us the playlist and we'll be happy to share them on the air. So we can do like a mixtape of the month or mixtape of the whatever. We're interested in whatever anybody else has to to add to this whole Lost and Rewound conversation. So I record it all the time, though, to yeah, answer like, your question. Yeah. And back to the original question, yes. So if you have mixtapes or whatever you've got, we we want it. Get embarrassed with us. That it's radio, fun. that radio station. I never recorded stuff off. I'm actually. I think I remember. Uh, every time I would be in the car, my sister would get the carte blanche to play everything off the radio. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe she had the ability to record stuff from the radio herself. And it would all be music off the R&B station. There was an R&B station uh, when I was younger called B94, and I hated that station. It was that and K104. They were both the pop stations. I didn't like them. I liked the listening to the classic rock like you did, Jimmy, or uh, listening to some of the, the alternative rock, quote-unquote alternative. Still don't know what it is. But I guess it, it existed in one sort of little encompass time of music history as the stuff like Beck. I like to call that moment the Empire Records soundtrack. Gin Blossoms. Yeah. Yeah, like Gin Blossoms, Spin Doctors, um, Cranberries, that moment in like 92 to 95. I had no idea what alternative rock was till I heard it from you. Um, there was nice. so much great pop music, though, looking back on it that my sister was into. And I I think I recorded that actual clip when it was in her room and she just had the radio playing and I'm like, this is so dumb. This is all like that schmaltzy, sappy pop music rap stuff. <laughs> Doug is laughing because I used the word schmaltzy. <laughs> schmaltzy is one of Alon's new words we've noticed he's picked up on. Um, We're happy about it. Yeah, it's a fun one. No, but I mean, I agree to a certain extent. The I hated R&B when I was a kid. Well, yeah, like our 90s R&B was definitely a little not... Porno, I think, is a little too extreme, but it was definitely like baby-making smooth jazz kind of music. It was not, I mean... Now you listen back on it and you say, wow, this music is really awesome. Yeah. Well, in because in, in perspective, <laughs> yeah. it sounds so much better and so much... Uh, but then again, it's all perspective because... But you also we, have it's context, the, too. This isn't your grandmother's baby-making music kind yeah. of thing. No, but no, some no, of the I other like poppier pop stuff was actually really good pop music. If you go back and listen to it, yeah, it got oversaturated and obnoxious. But some of it was just like actually good pop music. They were playing Madonna at those in those days, and but like the stuff that she was doing currently, yeah. nobody remembers that stuff. Nobody remembers uh, Secret and uh, 
this take think, a bow. And, I think, yeah, this was between the pointy boob and ray of light phase, whatever she oh, did yeah. between those two. Yeah, yeah, no, 1994, 1995, she had this album called Bedtime Stories. Yeah, I think that's when she was doing her sex book or something like that. Probably. Always. I wouldn't know. I never bought The phases that. of Madonna. <laughs> but that was, that, that was like a point in time where there was, I guess, maybe a sort of a lull. It was TLC and Mariah Carey were huge back then. And my sister had the TLC record. And I remember oh, and, there was like Vogue a... And Salt and Pepper. You get... Yeah, no, Salt and Pepper was, was big. Uh, and, and Vogue and SWV. Uh, so like, I look back at that stuff now and I listen to it and it's great. It's cl- it's classic. It's wonderful. Um, at the time, I just sort of equated it with girl music, so I couldn't listen to it because it was girl music. And I had a friend who actually had a whole lot of R and B records, and I was like, "What are you doing? You've got genuine records. You got R Kelly. You got Keith Sweat. You're white. You're like I don't know. I it's thought like it was the weird. scene in um, referencing Empire you Records like again. Computers. The How shoplifting. You like Keith Sweat? <laughs> yeah, the shoplifting scene at the end where they catch the kid. And he's just got like rap, metal, rap, metal, Whitney Houston. Exactly. Yeah, I was very anti music as a kid. I feel like, yeah, my, well, I definitely liked some of the classic rock and like my parents, and I I liked Zeppelin as a kid and The Who. Uh, And then I was very kind of like really discouraged with the fact that I couldn't go and see these shows of great bands that were around when I was a kid. Oh, sure. So for me, I was looking at the bands that were around when I was a kid, and like they were like Third Eye Blind and like Linkin Park, and I was just like, you know, I, I I started just hating it. I and, hate that shit. Yeah, I started just I started hating that stuff. So that's when I started getting into really um like metal and hardcore and and it was like and and even at the time to me it was anti music. You know, it was you know going to shows where they play six songs and every song is twenty five seconds long, and it's much more about kicking someone in the dick than it is about musical content. You know, um, but it, it was that that idea that the '90s it was a very disjointed musical era, and you, even looking back on it, you got more into music though. I think it seems sounds from what it sounds like just through going to shows live and getting to experience it more as sort of uh, live in person as opposed to necessarily listening to what the media wants you to hear, kind of thing. Like that was a big movement, like the underground movement of the rock, where it's like, well. We're too cool to be playing to be playing what everybody else is playing on the radio. I do think actually the underground music alternative thing, as much as there are pretentious music hipsters these days, oh, you haven't heard this, you haven't heard that, the internet has made it a lot easier to hear all of these things. So like back in the nineties, if you had this band that nobody had heard of, like you had to work to find them and you were super cool because our only exposure to music really was like the radio or if you happened to go to a show and somebody was opening and you liked them you actually had to go buy their cd from the merch table exactly and yeah, it was the i feel like it was that transitional period between you trying to be as super cool as possible to what we have now of the anti-cool where that idea of being geeky and nerdy now is really cool and you're, you're kind of straying away from that like i'm better than you because of this this and that like you can't talk to me because of the look on my face because it's just too cool for school now if i look awkward and too cool for school in a strange way it works out a lot more because i remember when i would go to these shows that we would be considered to be like not legitimate hardcore kids because like they're like, so there was this guy, and we used to call him Old Man because he was 29, and everyone at the hardcore show was like 18, 19, you know, so, and I was like 14. And he was like, you guys are, you guys don't know nothing. You go in the pit now, what? You get kicked in the leg, guy punches you in the teeth. Well, man, when I was a kid, you used to stick razor blades in your shoes and you spin kick people. And if you didn't go home with at least, like, you know, 
and like it had like a quarter of your body covered in blood, it was not a good hardcore show. And he was like totally serious about it. So we did feel, we felt like the same way. Even in that movement, I felt like I wasn't getting it all. I had such a strange upbringing with music. And so with the fact that I depended so much on MTV and the radio, uh, I felt very obligated to see what was around me because I had no help otherwise. My parents all had, my parents both had these record collections between the two of them that unfortunately burned down in a fire when I was like three years old. And so all the Beatles and the Bob Dylan and the um, Rolling Stones and my mom, my mom was a huge uh, uh, fan of singer songwriters. And my dad was a huge fan of the doors and all of these records just were gone. And so when I was eight years old, my parents finally bought, uh, bought a stereo system, really dope stereo system, by the way, Bosey, it's top notch. They could surround Bose? sound. Bose? Is it Bose? Wait, is it pronounced? Is it Bose? You guys can't hear Our Doug Our producer is up. doubling over. <laughs> yeah, Doug is losing his wait, shit. Wait, wait. Right I don't know. Idea. How is it pronounced? Bose. It's just Bose. Okay. It's Bose. We're okay, fine. I got no shame. No, I mispronounce I, stuff all the time. I mispronounced my own name on these on these recordings. I, I pronounced it Elon. I couldn't even pronounce my own name right. I'm not going to pronounce the damn stereo system correctly. <laughs> that was pretty great. So Bose was a stereo system that I had, and we like had maybe like five CDs. We had classical. We had an REM album, Billy Joel's Greatest Hits. So that was like a really weird starting point, and that's probably why I had such a strange uh, inter interaction with the new music at the time because I just had to kind of start over and I knew about R.E.M. because of the record my parents had and that that was about it. So I had to sort of go with the media as my new parent. I had a really sort of, I was sort of an interesting transition. Like as I got out of my sort of tweeny, teeny bopper phase, my dad's sister, uh, my Aunt Helen, she doesn't have any kids of her own and she was unmarried at the time. So she would take me with her to concerts. Like she was, instead of having an older sibling, be like, hey, listen to this. All of those late 90, That's early awesome. 2000, that era, like, saw no doubt on the return of Saturn tour, like, Black Eyed Peas before Fergie, things that I didn't quite get how cool it was. I mean, it wasn't fully underground or anything like that, but still, like, went to see Incubus, like, twice, and I was 13. It was really cool. What was your first CD? It was either the, I can't remember if it was the Little Mermaid soundtrack or Hanson. I can't remember. I bought the Little Mermaid soundtrack on CD and Hanson on cassette, and I can't remember which one I bought first. Jimmy? Mine was the soundtrack to The Matrix. Oh, really? Yeah. And it had, um, because I don't, I actually, I never really bought a lot of CDs. I was a big Napster head when I was a kid. Oh, uh, did, yeah. yeah. I was all about it. I think and I still LimeWire, like, when they went down. I mean, I went through all those different phases. I think I actually still have some songs floating around in my iTunes that I pirated back in the day off of LimeWire. Yeah. They pop up every and I'm like, why does this sound like crap? Oh, because I downloaded it in 98. But that Matrix soundtrack, I was thinking about that the other day because it had like Ramstein and the Deftones. Ram Rammstein. 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 And uh, who else did it have on it? Um, you, so you can get away with mispronouncing. That, but I can't get him this mispronouncing Bosey. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, dude. Romstein? Fuck that guy. <laughs> I can pronounce his name any way I want. They were like a... Bose is a, is a, is a household name. I know, I know. <laughs> Elon is not yet. No, um, but, will be. But you Rom, but Romstein, yeah. that, that, but that was like all like 90s. So you didn't have any CDs before 96? No, I, I, uh, I just listened to stuff on the radio and TV the same way. I didn't really... And then I, I got a CD player. And I was like, I should get a CD to go in my CD player. Mm. So I got that Matrix CD. 
listen to that thing about a bajillion times. I never liked soundtracks for some reason. It was weird. I felt like I always felt they sounded dated. I always wanted something that would be dated, <laughs> but wouldn't be uh, relatively dating itself because of the movie. I guess yeah. I was weird though. That I was like, oh no, I, I like songs, but this soundtrack, you know, is reflective of the movie, which is stuck in time, where the music won't necessarily be stuck in time. Yeah. That's not actually what I thought, but that's <laughs> what I think now. I was into it because it was like, uh, it was. I mean, now again, I look at it and I'm like, oh, I listen to all this new metal, you know. But it was like a bunch of angsty stuff when I was like, it was angstier than I was, and I was into that. <laughs> yeah, I listened to a lot like, of yes, a lot of angsty deep. shit. I went through like a late middle school mall gothed out hot topic phase. Big fan of corn, big fan of Papa Roach. I actually stalk them outside their tour bus to get some autographs. I have that t shirt in a box. Go? I've got the t shirt in a box somewhere. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're going oh, there. Boy. We're going there. I think I think so... we need to include Doug in this conversation. Doug's <laughs> dying bit. over here. No, I wasn't trying to get in, in a conversation, but I did want to explain the Bose thing, why I thought it was so funny. I used to work in a electronics store and we would mispronounce Bose on purpose to the customers and we'd say well yeah this Boise surround sound system is great and they would look at us weird and we would just continue and then mispronounce it another name like Bozois or like make up whatever it was <laughs> all that stuff was going through my mind and I thought you were kidding when you said it wrong at first so I was like oh certainly it's going to come back and we're all going to laugh about this and then it all kept going so I just couldn't contain myself um, also my first CD was uh, uh, shit um Aerosmith, the the one with the Alicia Silverstone video. Oh, that yeah. <laughs> uh, Get a grip, I think was that was my first CD that I owned, uh, and I think like a collection of their greatest hits or something also. And the first two tapes were uh, Queen's greatest hits and uh, another Bad Creation. It's a bit funny about Aerosmith actually uh, talking about that because Aerosmith um, the music videos that they had. With Alicia Silverstone and Liv Tyler, like th that was one good reason to watch TV. <laughs> like that was that was the equivalent of the big booty women uh, music videos that rap uh, was perpetuating. Aerosmith was like, oh yeah, we can now do that. It's creepy. It's no creepier than that share video with uh, with her son and she uh, turned back time and she's wearing. Oh, yeah. Nothing. She's, and he was just playing guitar there like nothing's happening. But to bring it back around, one of the things about that video that I learned from Pop-Up Video is that when they filmed it, at first they didn't realize her, she was wearing like assless pants or whatever because she has two giant rose tattoos on her ass. Like one on each ass cheek. So the Who is this? Cher. Cher, wow. So in the Turn Back Time video, when she turns around and her ass is hanging out, the censors or whatever at first thought it was just floral underwear. That's kind of strange. I think this... Thank you, VH1. Oh, I uh, I totally lost my train of thought. I was going to say something about it. Do you want to say something about, about Aerosmith or about Aerosmith? It creepy. Was... Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I remember. Okay, so the thing I was gonna that I was thinking about was the idea of like you said, Alicia Silverstone, and that was like a really she was really hot. She was. She was it. Yeah, and I was actually I she's on Broadway right now. Um, and something, and I and I noticed it, and I and I looked, and I was thinking, wow, like Alicia Silverstone, like she definitely fell out of like the public eye a lot. And I think to myself about how these, like, you've got that I don't know what you'd call it, like a gestation period or like the incubation period of like a hot woman in Hollywood. Like, how long will she keep them hooked well, no, until she, she's out? And she then turned into one of those like crazy vegan California moms, like who chews her baby's food for her. Well, and... if you look at like people like you know 
Britney Spears. This was late 90s. She was the hottest thing around. You look at her now, and she looks haggard. Like, she looks terrible. And there's there's a lot of people like that. You know, Lindsay Lohan, there was, there was a time when she was, like, blooming, and everyone was really into it. And, you know, then, you know, she flew into a mountain of methamphetamines. Yeah, and and there was that piece in the Times a couple weeks ago. She's like, yeah, she's, again, it's, like, terrible. So there's, I was thinking about that, and I'm, I'm always wondering, like, what will Miley Cyrus look like in 15 years? Like, is it going to be the worst Well, ever? look at Billy Ray. She's not going to age well to begin with. Genetics are not on her side. Oh, that song, by the way. That was fifth grade. I remember when that song first came out. I couldn't stand that. And I I was Southern, and we actually went to school with people who knew how to do it. They would play the Achy Breaky Heart at school dances, and people would do the Achy Breaky Heart. There's a line dance that goes with that song. Really? I'm glad I lived in the city, and it didn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you you can remember it. You know how it goes. I don't know. I don't remember the dance, but. Jeez. Okay. Okay. For everyone that is just listening, she's doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to pretend I'm doing the achy breaky heart. She's on um, the top. I'm pretending to write at Chocobo, and she's stand. doing the achy breaky heart. <laughs> at one part, though, I did actually learn the Cotton Eye Joe. I remember learning how to do the Cotton Eye Joe at Girl Scout. Oh, camp. God. I don't know how Cotton Eye Joe became uh, a Yankee thing as well, like a baseball thing. Because it's off topic. You know, but no, but you know <laughs> why? It's because it's got a shitty house track, so everyone's like, all right, now I can. What was the name of the band who did it? Because there's some weird Swedish dance group. Wasn't it like Damn Yankees or Red Yankees? Like the name of the group was something weird. Hold it's on. just terrible music. We so. have to go to the internet for this. This is a Wikipedia break? I, well, I just, do we care? Because I don't want to. We will return with the answer to that question, and we're going to have an interview coming up soon with our man, Kyle Bailey. Again, you are listening to Lost and Rewound. While we were gone, we did fact check that whole Cotton Eye Joe debate, and the band was Rednecks with an X. <laughs> That's the way it's supposed to be spelled. Right, so like it's terrible. It's so much awfulness. But anyway, Sweet, Sweden is all filled with bands and groups that misspell things like Boom Cat MCs or something. Bomb Funk MCs. I don't know. I can see the excitement building. <laughs> in, in, enough of this uh, tangent. We have an interview, a uh, very important interview right now with a gentleman by the name of Kyle Bailey, coming to us all the way live from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I grew up with Kyle, and I'm really excited he's here with us. Welcome, Kyle. Hey, guys. Thanks um, for having me. So uh, the nature of the, these interviews are, is pretty self-explanatory. We, we're playing clips, and uh, I guess before we get into this, how much do you remember about the Danziger Zone just off offhand? <laughs> I was actually, you know, just thinking about that earlier, um, and I definitely, you know, remember, um, I remember us doing it a lot. I remember, you know, you doing it a lot. I remember the the recorder always being out and around, um, and I remember, you know, maybe a little bit of the style that they were in, but I don't think I remember any of the subject matter <laughs> that we talked about or, or anything like that. Well, um, let's let, let's let's start e- off easy and uh, let's get into this first one. Since we were just talking about music before the break, uh, this one I think ties in perfectly with that. You know what? Check this out. Woodstock '94. I haven't mentioned this in a long time. Woodstock. It's 1969. That's 25th anniversary. We are. It's gonna be jam-packed in Socrates, New York. It's gonna be Woodstock, and it's gonna be big. And 
Well, and why Why you say is Woodstock not in any other place? I'll tell you why. Because there's only one place Woodstock is at. It's New York. That's the place. New York, the home of the best team in the entire world in baseball. There we go. And it's going to be jam-packed with Aerosmith. It's going to be with, with, the lead, with the lead guitarist of Grateful Dead. It's going to have... It's going to have the Rolling Stones. It's going to have spin, spin Doctors. Um, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think Envo, Whitney Houston. Hot Chili Peppers. The Ace of Base is going to be there. Ace of Base? Yeah. Yeah, but there's only one problem. No, Soundgarden isn't there. Who? Soundgarden. I really wish they were there. Because they're the best song in the world. Best song in the world. What is it? Black Hole Sun. That's your favorite what? song. What? Yes, it's my favorite song. And also, check it out. Alice in Chains is going to be there. Awesome. Everybody's going to be there. Julio's going to be there. Everybody's going to be there. Surprise Dog's going to be there. Dr. Dre. Yeah. This is going to be a jam-packed day. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I really want to go, but it costs 250 bucks and it's, it's three days. Wait, Gloria, Gloria, I think I'm bleeding right like shit. Hold on, hold on, bye-bye for a moment. The car rides with your mom. Um, <laughs> that's what I, I was during a car ride. I love that you're bleeding and that's the end of that tangent. So ridiculous. I like how, how hyped up you get about it. And then at the end, you're like, yeah, but I, I can't go. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I mean, it's interesting because Kyle, not long after this, uh, you were into uh, music just as much, if not more. You were actually, uh, you played instruments when you were younger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Played uh, guitar mostly. Do you still play the guitar? I do still play the guitar. Um, not as much as I'd like to, but... Yeah, when I moved to the city, uh, my friend Nash and I were living together, and that was a lot of the reason that I was into music, like, later in high school, because his dad is the lead guitarist of the Bad Brains. So um, him and his family have been, you know, playing since they were little. So we had a drum set in our apartment, you know, and we would, we would jam and play a lot then. That was when I first moved to the city. Um, so, you know, that wasn't that long ago. That was, like, six years ago, and we lived together for, like, a year, and we, and we played all the time. So, um, you know, our, our neighbors were You were cool. those assholes having band practice in the apartment, weren't you? <laughs> Basically. Our neighbors were awesome, though. They didn't care at all. They were really loud at different times. So it was kind of like a mutual arrangement. When was your first concert? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, it was probably a Bad Brains concert. That's respectable. Man. How old were you? <laughs> probably a local Bad Brains concert when I was like 13. And <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. I was not prepared for like mosh pits and crowd surfing and stuff. I mean, I guess it could be worse. It could be, you could have been broken in with Woodstock '94 when we were, you know, much too young to even go to shows that lasted three days. But um, on that note, I guess with all the music that was going on with that show, uh, you, you listened to the radio. Did you like ha- what was like a lot of the music that you were listening to at the time? Because you you were were two years younger than me, so you probably had a few years until you really got really more into music. But you probably still right. had plenty of exposure to it. <laughs> Take a breath, there, dude. <sighs> <sighs> I don't know, man, like, that's one thing that listening to that clip just reminded me of was how into music that you were and um, definitely how much stuff that I just listened to for the first time probably when I was over at your house. 
I mean, how old were you when you finally started to develop not just necessarily a taste in music, but be able to discern what's good music or not? Like, I mean, I remember I was to- mm. I went through a teeny bopper phase, and then somewhere around like eighth grade, it's like, oh wait, the Backstreet Boys are awful. <laughs> just like woke up yeah. one day and realized some music is really just shitty. I actually remember that I went through like this weird Elvis phase when I was like, I don't know, when I was probably like 10 years old. Were you dancing and everything? I don't know if I was, I think I was dancing probably. Probably. (laughs) I just thought that it was super cool to be into Elvis and that Elvis was super cool. I do not know where that came from. How cool Elvis is, man. (laughs) I think I think I just figured it out for myself, you know? I mean, Elvis is the man. That's, that's yeah. pretty funny. Everyone has their but, own. Yeah, I have no interest in him musically in him <laughs> any, anymore. Um, and then, I don't know, I'd say probably when I was like 13, that's when I started like, um, you know, I bought like Blood Sugar Sex Magic and had it taken away by my parents. Because it had sex in the title? <laughs> because it had explicit on the label. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you had that. those parents. I remember being really excited getting explicit albums home and like just waiting to hear the curse word. You're like, which, which one was? Which is always going to be? If you liked curse words, that album was quite ideal. <laughs> My parents weren't uptight at all about music, though. I remember at one point we were, back, we were in, in the record store in the mall. back when We used to still go to Towered Records when those existed. I don't even remember what I was picking up, but I was probably in middle school, like picking out a CD for something. And I just grabbed the first one that was in the bin. Didn't really think about it. My mom looked at it, looked at it and she said, you don't want that one. And goes behind it and grabs the one with the parental advisory sticker on it. She's like, mm. it's like if we're going to pay 12 bucks, you're going to get the real lyrics. What kind of uh, radio were, were your parents listening to? So, I mean, obviously they were very conscientious about what their children listened to. Was there like very like specific radio stations that your parents wanted to listen to that you weren't? Uh, allowed to listen to otherwise um, I guess is what I'm saying not uh, not really you know it was all like I, I would have a Walkman and listen to stuff on my own in the car by when I was like 13 on you know I was never listening to whatever they had on the radio my dad was the one that was into music and that was all like um, that was all classic rock of course he's English you know so he's big into Floyd I just want to toss that question to you a little bit too Jimmy though because you grew up in the city so you didn't have just the car radio as this ubiquitous thing. I mean, how did you guys, how did you get into music? Well, it's funny actually. Um, yeah, my, my dad was, uh, kind of like an old time head. So he really liked Floyd and, um, Grateful Dead and stuff like that. He'd play it like, you know, while he was cleaning in the house or something like that. But we did take car trips when I was a kid. And, um, cause we used to go out of town and the thing was that we didn't have a radio in the car and it didn't have a CD player it was like an old pickup. It just had a tape deck, and they only had one tape, and we listened to the same tape every single road trip. <laughs> the tape, the yeah. tape was? It was the Moody Blues. So I like, really like the Moody Blues now for, like, no reason at all. <laughs> and I remember uh, my dad one, one time a couple of years ago, he goes, hey, man, like, want to go check out a Moody Blues concert? I'm like, yeah, like, Nights in White Satin, baby. Like, Tuesday afternoon, let's do it, man. And I go, and, like, I was definitely the youngest person there. Like, everyone was in their mid-60s and stuff. It was at Radio City, actually. Uh, the, the funny thing was that when I went to the bathroom in Radio City, which is, like, gigantic, like, everything there, uh, it smelled like weed in the bathroom. And all these, like, 65-year-old people, like, that listen to Moody Blues, like, smoke a lot of weed. Just choking up in the bathroom. Yeah, it was, like, in Radio City. I was like, this is, this is weird. But, yeah, I, you know, you, that's the whole thing. When you're breaking out of the music that your parents listen to or whatever you're kind of been sheltered with. Uh, you know, I didn't listen to hip hop, for instance, growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because my dad really, really hated it. Like, he despised it. And if I did put it on, he would yell at me. But, but it is interesting, though, like, the way your parents' taste in music kind of rubs off that I think part of why I have such a soft spot for everything that was on Woodstock 94, pretty much, as you rattled them off, was that my parents were relatively young. So, like, I grew up listening to the Chili Peppers, to Spin Doctors, um, Better Than Ezra. Like, that's what was in we were listening to in the car on the way to kindergarten. It was cool, like, I didn't grow up with the Beatles and Zeppelin the way a lot of kids did. I grew up on the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I used to watch a lot of VH1 as a kid, too. So sadly, my first concert, and I'll just say we won tickets to it off the, off the radio, WPLJ, uh, was Third Eye Blind. It's right, okay. right. That's what uh, you were saying before. My first concert, Backstreet Boys. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I win every shitty music com- like competition growing up. So we have this other clip that I think is a perfect uh, um, sort of. It's 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 all you. There's there's no me at all. So it's because it, I can barely tell who is who on the last tape. <laughs> That's been a common theme on this show: is that everybody sounds like a chipmunk. Um, right. It sounds like the voices are sped up or something. Uh, uh, again, it, it's a way to ease 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 you into this because uh, the the more fresh your ears are to these clips, I think the better reaction. Uh, maybe that's just my own subjective way of looking at it, but the clip we're about to hear right now uh, it, it is absolutely brilliant and needs really no introduction other than you then stop are... introducing it. <laughs> Kyle is a prophet. Let's check it out. In the year 2000, there should be a suitcase car. You know, you know, like you go into your office and say, like in the Jetsons, he goes into his office and with a suitcase, Chip um, with a suit, with a suitcase airplane thing, and he just folds it up and throws it in. That's what we shall be doing in the year 2020. And you won't need to ask directions again. Sony has come out with a new little computer. You ask where the place you want to go is. You unlock, you locate it with the mouse, and then if you want even further data, you can find out where it is and what things you have. And like if a big baseball game's coming on, you can find out the best place to get tickets. <laughs> what the? <laughs> Somebody predicted the internet. <laughs> what were we doing then while that was recorded? Do you remember? Once again, I think we were in your parents' car. It, more than likely your dad's due to the blues that was playing in the background. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't even know what. I like. I love that. Uh, I love that idea of the folding up the suitcase, like from the Jetsons. Like I thought about the Jetsons technologies that would take us, that would be coming to the future. And I always thought the moving sidewalks was gonna like be a real thing. That, that like, was gonna take off. You went. You wouldn't have to. You would have the express lane on every single sidewalk, and you could either you know you know, could nonchalantly walk or you could zoom. And they made a joke about it. If you've ever seen that show, um, Harvey Birdman. Mm-hmm. And they had it where the Jetsons are standing in his doorway, and they they're just standing there. He's like, "Come in, come in," and they uh, they can't because they don't know how to walk know, without know, moving sideways. They don't know how to walk. <laughs> Actually, because I went to a million different schools, and one of them was this teeny tiny little hippie school in Atlanta. In eleventh grade, the guy who worked from Cartoon Network, the producer who did her Harvey Birdman, came and spoke to our high school, and like talked about how he and one of his friends just started doing this like little fifteen minute show in his basement, and because they could, and they had. They were producers at Cartoon Network, so they could put it on Adult Swim. And he said when they conceived the Jetsons episode, originally they wanted the entire episode to be them trying to walk to his desk. <laughs> that was the original idea, is that 
it's going to take them 15 whole minutes or 12 minutes, whatever it is, once they cut it down to get across the room. And that's the joke. That's the bit. But he said as like, as they were flushing the story out, they realized they couldn't maintain it. So that's when they cut to the whole trial and environmentalism and, <laughs> you, you, Kyle, you, you basically predicted the internet, as Melissa said before, and from the sounds of it, it was very specific to uh, the Google. To well, yeah, to Google Maps yeah. and uh, buying tickets for sporting events and all that. Uh, how? What? What? What the <laughs> hell, man? It was incredible. I, I, I wish I remembered that more clearly, and I could like draw on that same inspiration now and and make like be. A, make a fortune in the stock market or something <laughs> but by predicting the next big products we're going to use. I, I have no idea where that came from. Maybe, you maybe a- I was just so enthralled with all the uh, technological stuff from just watching the Jetsons that... I was going to say, maybe we will that. get the fold-up cards eventually. Were right, you a- that's got to be the next thing because that's what I started with. Maybe that's where it all came from was the fold-up card. We still got seven years. It's not 2020 yet. Were right, you- a lot could happen. Clearly, the internet, the advent of the internet was starting to unfold at that point, but were you a big user? I mean, no more no more than anyone else, really, you know? And it was, like, very much like, you know, like most people, AOL was my whole world at first, you know? And that doesn't even really count as the, the, the internet and the full possibilities of the internet, you know, and Google and search engines and stuff like that. So, um, no, I wouldn't say that I was, like, above average internet user. I still remember all that old-time internet garbage dialing up. I had Prodigy. I used to hate AOL people and stuff. And, like, you had web pages on GeoCities. Oh, I remember GeoCities. Everyone remember when, like, you were, like, halfway done with a page and you'd have that really crappy little gif, like, under construction, and it would, like, spin. And for some reason, every web page had Calvin pissing on something. (laughs) Like, it was just, like, weird that when the internet started up, everything was, like, just hokey. I remember just being, everything was just really goofy back in those days. What were your first screen names? God, I don't even know if I remember. One of my favorites that I had was uh, Venomous Midget. Also be a great band name, I feel like. (laughs) That sounds like a great thrash metal band. That is a good band name. You know, I just found out recently that one of my aunts uh, still had her AOL subscription. Oh my God! Really? It's like is, is I, it I real life? Is that real life? Person. I don't know that. What is my, does AOL still do like dial-up? I don't know if they still do dial-up or not. But my well, no, they do still offer an ISP because my grandparents refused to stop using AOL, even though it's not 1998 anymore. They also still share an email address because <laughs> they're old. But my uncle still has an AOL email address because he was so far ahead of the curve on the internet and email and AOL and all of that that he has his first name at AOL. That's funny. That's it. Like he beta, te- like he beta tested the internet when it was still like a data stream and all that other crazy whatever. So he, like, he gets a pass for still having an AOL email address because it's just his first name. I still remember the old days where people would hassle you. Like my parents would be like, "You got to get off the internet because like no one can call the house because you're on the <laughs> single phone line." <laughs> oh, see, we were cool. We had two phone lines. Uh, we had one phone line, but my dad definitely wanted to like, <laughs> to, like make our house super cool, so we had a t- phone in the toilet. And I remember that was like a really big thing to be able to have this phone. And I was just like, why would I phone on the John? It was like, it was pointless. It was completely pointless. But what if you're taking a shit and somebody calls? <laughs> They're going to have to wait. It's just, you know. There's a clip that we'll have to get back to eventually sometime in the future. In the future. When, the future in when, 2020, which is. In 2020. Before 2020, we'll play the clip where Kyle and I are on the internet on AOL and my dad's harassing us. Um, but that's, that's on a, that's that's on a for another, That's for another show. That's for another show. Um, 
Do you guys remember when the future seemed like so far away in the year 2000 was this big deal that like when you were a kid, like, oh man, well by 2020, we'll have fold up cars that seemed like so far in the future. And a lot of it was science fiction movies faults, you know, they would like, they would take place like five years in the future and everyone would be in flying cars and stuff. So you're like, okay, this is going to happen. Yeah, I definitely thought science fiction movies. You know, I was I was ready to buy into it mostly because I wanted to. The fifth dimension. I mean, that's never will, will that ever happen? Is the question. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I you mean, know, the you, fifth element. Did I not say the fifth element. You said the you fifth, said fifth, fifth dimension. dimension. Oh my goodness! I was starting to think about string theory. I'm like, what is what's he going? Going with this? What movie did I miss as a that, kid? That, that was a gaffe. You um, never saw Fifth Element? No, I saw the Fifth Element. But he's talking about the fifth oh, dimension. I was, I was like, wait, I, no, that was a gaffe. I meant the fifth. <laughs> I did mean the fifth element with Bruce Willis. Yeah, and, with the flying cars. Right, yeah. And um, then obviously the Matrix trilogy and whatnot. I think also too. Though, I mean, we wa- like we watched the Jetsons. We watched a lot of older like '70s cartoons and like Nick at Night and all that. Like the when in. In 1970, the year 2025 really was this far away. It'd be like us saying, in the year 2118, like, it's yeah. a big enough stretch that it was sort of a feasible gap. And I guess we just, science fiction never caught up with moving the future date out. We can always talk about how things like technology didn't come. Like, we had all sorts of expectations mm-hmm. for the way this would be or the way that would be. It's just certain technologies, they have a lot more, you know, a lot more concentrated on them. Even just, I still remember when iPods first came out, when you were switching from Walkman to CD player to iPod, and the fact that you could have a music library in your pocket was ridiculous. And now you have a supercomputer in your pocket that you use to check Facebook. (laughs) Your your telephone has more technology than was used to land land on the moon. And, you know, in the the 90s when we were talking about this when we were kids, that was more ridiculous than a flying car. Exactly. Way more ridiculous, that idea. Yeah, I mean, I still think about, you know, think about, like, you know, when we were kids and they had DOS, you know, and, like, computers really had very little capability. And, like, I mean, it's exactly like you were saying. I mean, you, you were talking about it in the video, and it is, it is ridiculous. It's, like, that literally in your pocket you have access to the world's information now. Well, that brings up, though, an interesting sort of generational shift in the way we use technology. Uh, I don't remember his name. But the dude who unplugged from the internet for a year and wrote about it, he wrote about it for some magazine online. Um, mm. Something else for us to fact check. And he p- did his like final year end, came back. He didn't like unplug from technology. He had a phone. You could call him. He had a computer. It just wasn't hooked up to the internet. Um, uh, and so he did his final like year end after this whole year. He's like, yeah. And at first I thought I was going to have all this extra time and learn so much about myself and the rest of the world. And after about three months, I realized I just got really, I kind of got isolated and lonely and bored. And now it took extra effort to fuck around because our communities are online. Yeah. Our communities are technology-based. The, the internet is where the people are. Yeah, it's true. I, I personally, like, went off the grid recently and I had gotten off of, like, Facebook and, and my cell phone got lost at the same time. And I, it was, yeah, it's, it's very isolating. And I think it's because we've become so... Uh, like inundated with the socialization, like this over socialization, yeah. but it's not, but it's, it's, it's micro, it's yeah. micro socialization. Like you're not micro actually, interaction. Yeah. yeah. You're not actually having real interactions. You're having fake interactions with people, but you get so obsessed with them that once you don't have them, it's like a drug and you're like, wow, I, I don't know like what some random person who I haven't talked to in years is doing. And that like, it gets to you. It's weird. There's something about it. It's definitely has changed, uh, you know, society as a whole technology, obviously, but it's you know it just changes uh, your attitude towards towards every every interaction that you have. 
Um, I do think we have this other clip that would be interesting to hear. Kyle, uh, you're a lawyer, or what is exactly that you do involving with law? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a lawyer. I just passed the bar out, out here. Um, I don't work for a law firm now. Um, I work for a family business. Um, it's a healthcare business. I am using a lot of the law stuff for uh, employment law side, most mostly, and then a little bit of healthcare law and healthcare reform. So I don't work for a law firm, but I would say that I'm I'm a lawyer. So I think you might want to hear this clip. This is a uh, some interesting <laughs> introspective uh, uh, law talk, if you will. It's a little bit of a long clip, so um, it'll pay off. Well, if it has me talking sounding like a lawyer, I'm sure it's a little long-winded. It's a little more than that. Um, and <laughs> okay. And on that note... Today, the defendant, Kyle Bailey, has been accused of blaming his little sister of playing his Sega Genesis. It walks his attorney, Sarah Danziger, the judge, oh, Carol Lieberman, and it walked the greatest, oh yes, the greatest prosecutor of all time. Yes, thank you, thank you. Elon Ansgar. <laughs> Mr. Bailey, can I call you Bail? Sure. <laughs> what you what this is about is you were accused of I hope I hope this is troubling anybody. I have uh, been accused. You yes. He, he was accused of blaming his little sister of playing the Sega Genesis when she did. Oh, I've been talking around here, Mr. Bailey. Now, I say death! Permanent death! Oh, what an attorney. What a prosecutor. What an idiot. Hey, don't talk about that because I can sue you now. Yeah, who cares? What? I got money. What does? Stop. But no matter money, what does the, you a brain? What does the attorney say? <laughs> what does the attorney say? The prosecutor is guilty. What's what is the attorney? The prosecutor set it up. What does the attorney say he about this? His voice and, and what, when Kyle was by. What does the attorney say? I can hear. What does the attorney say about this? You don't have to scream. You can talk quietly into it. Anyway. I, I, I say that. I mean, cigarette. I mean, what's the big problem there? You see, I think he was right. I mean, if if she wants to play the Sega Genesis, she has to ask her brother. And I think that. The sister didn't listen, and so she had to pay the price. Well, wait, wait, I don't, I don't understand what this is getting at. You're saying that she had to have, get permission from her brother to play. Yes. What do you say about this, Judge Lieberman? What do you say about this? I don't have all the facts. Well. I need the accused. I need uh, Mr. Bailey to give his case. Okay, and what is your case, Bail? My case is one day, well, a while before the thing happened, I told my sister that she needed to ask me before she played my Sega Genesis. And she looked at me like, no way. And so when I was over to play it and I came back, I saw her playing it. I saw her playing it. And then I just left because I was really mad and I wanted to tell my parents, and when I came back, the Sega Genesis was broken. 
Ben. And she was gone. And she was gone, and we couldn't find her. And then a few hours later, she came home. Yeah, keep going, Kyle. I'm your attorney. You don't have to to say what's what's going on. And so then I said, "Why'd you do that?" And she said, and I asked, "Why'd she break? She played my shake without asking it." And then worst of all, she broke it. She said, "She said I didn't play her." Sega. And so, how do we have and, and then that somebody else could have done and it? And then she stopped. Failed. And then she dropped a wire from her hand. And she uh, thought I didn't see it. Aha! Uh-huh. And I knew that this, that this, this great, great prosecutor will now understand that it was not. Well, wait a minute. Was there anything else broken? Yes. What? All the games and both controllers. Uh-huh. And the TV has a small hole in it. Uh-huh. She must have broken the TV and not uh, broken the video game. The video game must have been kept on by, by his little sister. So I say we should break little Cassie his strap. Cassie, what is your story to this? Well, one day my... Father told me not to play a Sega. And I said, well, I'll play it. Anyways, don't count me, say. And so he walked away, and then he went to a play date, and I thought, wow, this is the perfect time to play a Sega. And then I played it, and I did really good, but then I died, so I got really mad and broke everything. And then when he came back, and then when yeah. he came back, yes, keep going. I I jumped out of the window, but it didn't hurt me because it's a small fall, and I ran into the woods, and I had a wire in my hand the whole way. And then when I was talking to him after, he asked me some questions about why I broke it and stuff. And then I accidentally so dropped the wire out of my hand. But he didn't see that, so don't tell him. Aha! Did you hear that, Mr. Bale? Yes, I did. <laughs> now I see that I know, I know what's wrong. I know it, I know it. This little girl made made herself a little uncomfortable way for the second Genesis. I say she's guilty. No way. Oh, come on. Judge Learman, um, what do you say to this? I need to hear what Cassie Bailey has to say. Did you hear it? Okay, the case is closed. What you almost just seen was Kyle was Kyle being innocent and Cassie spending five years in jail for what she did. For what that single thing that she did. So remember that, boys and girls and and adults. Get permission first. Where do we begin? That would have been, that was me doing my sister. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I really love how enthusiastic he was the prosecutor, and you just kept yelling. And then, who's, whose mother was that? Mine. That was your mom. And then she's like, Elon, like you don't need to yell, and you immediately are like. Ah!
<laughs> I imagine that you were like trying to emulate the the 90s sort of crime drama of course, courtroom yeah. movies. The it was perfect. It was you, wasn't it? <laughs> That's probably the only exposure I had. I'm, there was no court TV. I think it was just well, they still had like the not Judge Judy necessarily, but something kind of like that, like the People's Court. Yeah, but there were no prosecutors in that. Remember, you you defended yourself. It was yourself. the plaintiff. Yeah, exactly, the plaintiff and then the defense. So yeah, small claims or binding arbitration, whatever. I just love that. Like, the case broke <laughs> with that one fact. Yeah, we didn't, I mean, he's like, it led me to believe that she had played it, but then she dropped a wire out of her <laughs> That was just well. so good. Which brings me to our, to our first question, since we're on a courtroom theme here. Did this, Kyle, do you actually remember this happening at all? Did your sister break your genesis? Like, is this, is this based on a true story? I don't remember the specific Sega thing. I remember always issues with her, like, playing my video games sometimes. <laughs> so, breaking I, breaking no the Genesis where... every game and both controllers. <laughs> Something tells me that was slightly dramatized. I think it was. And I think I realized that my case was weak when I was telling this story. And then I ad-libbed the wire part. <laughs> and then I made sure in the story when I was acting as her to say. And then I carried the wire with me the whole time in the woods. In the and woods? just jumped out of the window and ran into the woods. Just... <laughs> And then I mistakenly <laughs> dropped the wire. I like how you, when you played the sister, you didn't act like she was trying to fake it at all. She gave word by word testimony to support you. Ah, <laughs> oh, pretty genius. The oh, you're about to say. No, I was still laughing. I was. I just thought my my impression of her was great. How I even did like the the wheel talking like this. I really thought it was her. I was gonna say first. yeah. Back to our previous comment about everybody sounding like a chipmunk. I kind of went with it's like oh that's a little off but though that probably is actually his sister there, i wouldn't have known if you didn't tell me <laughs> there was a moment there was a moment though uh where i think um i realized that my sister was not gonna be a part of the skit and so i pretended to be her hmm. and so i was mimicking her voice when i was just more or less just like three feet away from her and Cassie was not there. Your sister was not there. So I think you got away with it without getting like punched in the arm or something. Cause right. <laughs> that would have happened. But you, you had the uh, ability to do it without any worry. Uh, really, it was fantastic. And uh, there's so much of that. I think there's another Kyle Court somewhere hanging around in the archives somewhere. I, I remember the court theme. There are definitely multiple times that we did that. What sparked your initial interest in the court? I feel like this became a theme, and you ended up you ended up going to law school. So I don't know. I thought it was probably really good practice to like bullshit our way out of anything. <laughs> hey man, I think you got it. You got inspired, and you were like, you know what? Elon's not going to be the best prosecutor in the world for long. <laughs> I am. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were really bringing it. You know, you were really talking yourself up. So I'm sure I didn't appreciate that very much at the time. You were so hyped about it. It was great. It was like Johnny Cochran. I was like, I'm the best. And then I like how you were like, I think every time you started talking, you gave yourself a new introduction. And then I like how you you were like coaching him through his testimony too. You're like, it's okay. Considering how well I do, said this, this is good. Considering how well I do with this podcast, I could probably learn a little bit from my younger self in regards to public speaking. <laughs> right? You're really good. You're yeah. Just like your enthusiasm is just I don't know. It's it's infectious. Honestly, it's, it's a perfect example. Sort of of sort of the dramatic nature of the Danziger Zone and some of these sketches and characters and how into it you guys really got. I I remember it being very infectious at the time also. You know, you couldn't like, you couldn't do a Danziger Zone thing and half-ass it. 
<laughs> hey man, that's what it's that's what it's all about. You know, now that I think about it, probably the most popular thing you did, Alan Danziger Zone, was sneak up on your sister and mine uh, whenever we would hang out at your or mine house. And uh, uh, it's more or less just like as we had talked about in previous episodes about the whole sneaking up with the recorder or stealing the recorder kind of thing. Uh, let's listen to this one particular clip. All right. Uh, I think it'll give a lot of insight. Now it's time for Kyle Corner. Our newest program. Hello, folks. I'm Kyle. <clears throat> and now, I'm just going to be doing a few simple things. First off, we're going to spy on the girls. See what they're doing. See under their pants, hopefully. Okay, we're off in the hall. We're off in the hall, guys. We're going to the television. Where are we find the boat? Do you have any comments, Cassie? Go away, Thunderbutt. Fuck you, you motherfucking titty-sucking two-ball bitch. Okay, we're off back to the place. <clears throat> that has been personal interview with the two little assholes, Cassie and Sarah. Hi, this is Elon. This has been a Kyle Corner. We always come back to how old you were when we did these right. tapes. So uh, we, we scaled it back a little bit. Most of these clips are from when Kyle was in fourth grade. Or sorry, he was in third grade, actually, and I was in fifth grade. But then um, this clip is when I was in sixth grade and he was in fourth grade. Okay, so you were not not yet ten. I hope I didn't make that up. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what the, that. that had to have come from. That had to, like... <laughs> <laughs> he just rattled it off. Oh like my that, god! It seemed like I had it at the ready, and I was baiting them into it. Like some movie you shouldn't have seen, or like the babysitter was watching TV late at night when you were supposed to be in bed. Oh man! How how old was your sister? They were two years younger than me. Man, so she called you Thunderbutt. Yeah, and which is pretty you, good. That's and a... then you destroyed her. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cold the way you said it too. It was just oh man. Uh, it's I'm like gonna... mic drop. Yeah. Yep. Oh my god, I'm like I'm I'm still like I can't my my face is all like hurting from laughing at that. <laughs> I'm so, my stomach hurts right now. Yeah. That was my interview with two little assholes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I like the way too though is you guys were sort of sneaking in. I'm assuming to the living room or the den wherever they were watching TV, listening to the narration. It's like a sort of a National Geographic oh, safari no. special. Oh no, that's Clue. <laughs> That oh, was man. Clue. Oh, was that Clue? That's that's Tim. Uh, what's well, no, not no, not what they were watching, but like as you were narrating, if the narration is like she's oh, small see. and wearing a green sweatshirt, <laughs> right? No, no, well, that's what he was doing. And in yeah. the background, it looked the like mo- yeah, it sounded like they were watching uh, Clue. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, Kyle's uh, doc documentary in style was quite choice. <laughs> oh man, it's I mean it's funny when uh, and again I didn't have siblings growing up, but my best friend had an older brother, 
and when we were uh, probably right around the same age, uh, he was uh, like six years older than us. So he was like 16. We were 10. And he would have his girlfriends over, and we would like try to bust in on his girl, him and his yeah. girlfriend while they're making out. That and, one point that, that you guys like rolled down the stairs or something, right? Um, no, this was uh, this is where he well he would what did it, he was fat and I was skinny. Right. Did I tell the story? Right? Yeah. Fat man, thin man. Bit. Is there a truffle is it, shuffle? Did it? Yes, the truffle shuffle. Did I tell the story about him throwing the Power Ranger toy at us too? I don't think so. No. Yeah. So okay, maybe this is this is two different instances, but like we would try to save something up. To interrupt him, because he'd just be, like, making out with his girlfriend. He was, like, 16, you know? So, you know, one day he would do the truffle shuffle, or we would save, like, a fart, and then you'd lay the fart in the room, and then you'd run. And I guess I told the story about the fact that I was really fast, and he was really slow, so we'd run away, and we would go to hide, and we had these safe rooms. And since I was so fast, I would be, like, in the safe room in a moment, and then I would just wait. And I'd be waiting at the doorway to the safe room, and he, his, his fat ass would be coming after me. And uh, there was... There was a couple different times that his brother would just chuck something at us because he would get so frustrated. One time he hit me in the head with an onion and it exploded. <laughs> no, an actual pe- the f- vegetable onion. It was a big onion. I don't know where he got that from. And one time he just got so angry at us doing this, he picked up this Power Ranger doll. It was of the Black Ranger and it was like a little bit bigger. It was like maybe eight inches tall. And he chucked it as hard as he could at us. And we managed to get the door closed just in time. And we hear this big noise. And we open the door and the Power Ranger's head was in the doorway. And he he'd got it through the door. Oh. Yeah, it was insane. But, you know, that kind of thing. This is this you guys, you guys with you know younger siblings and goofing on them. Whenever we would goof on the older siblings, like you know they would just kick the shit out of us. Definitely times where like I had atomic wedgies and all kinds of bad news. Did that ever happen to you, Kyle? Because I don't remember being around older siblings that much. I would have got. I would have. I wouldn't be here. I would be <laughs> dust. <laughs> you actually probably were lucky that you were the older sibling. Yeah. Oh yeah, we, we were both lucky uh, in that case, but um. A little bit. Most of my friends that had older siblings were girls. I remember my friend Dan, uh, remember Dan Carbonaro and his sister Mia. Mia was, uh, was like a couple of years older. Sometimes she would have uh, boyfriends and stuff over, and then we would we would try to sneak in on them a little bit too. But like the guys there over at her house, you know, he can't like beat us up, and she wouldn't beat us up because she was a girl and, and we were guys, so we got away with it a lot more smoothly. Yeah, I guess the problem was that it was an older brother. And he felt like when they're, when they're older brothers, yeah. yeah. And then it gets to a point where the older female siblings are terrible for you as as the brother. Like I remember my friend Max, when his older sister got really hot, we would always want to go over just to like stare at her. And one time our friend Mike, he got so enthralled with her that he was walking across the living room and he missed the hallway and walked into the wall. <laughs> Damn. Oh man. That's that's pretty awesome. I, mean, we had, I had yeah. the same thing. I and then what did Max do? He punched him. <laughs> oh, it's man. my sister. Yeah, I had a, another friend with an older sister like that, and it was the same thing. And I think it was, she wasn't really that cute, but it was just a thing because it was our friend's sister, so we were, like, all into her. And my buddy really, really didn't like it. So we, I just – every time I would go over – she, she, like, hated us, and she wouldn't even, like, talk to us or give us a time of day. So when she would ignore us and walk past, I would go to my friend and be like, yeah, you see that, right? He's like, well, see, see what? And I'm like, you saw how she didn't look at me, right? I'm like, he's like, yeah. I'm like, that's the code. That's the code we worked out. <laughs> she pretends like we're not, a, we're, not, like we're not an item, but I'm dating her, man. 
Like, you know, I, I come over all the time when you're not here. And, like, that's my girlfriend. And he would, he would flip out. He would lose his shit on me. And even it was funny because uh, when I went to college, surprisingly, I was living in uh, Brookline, this town outside of Boston. And she lived across the street with her husband. So, all fucking world. I know. So I saw her in, like, in like the, um, what was it, like the Star Market one time. And I called up my friend and I was like, you know who I'm staring next to? I'm standing next to you right now. Your sister, man. Now I'm now I'm her mistress, I suppose. <laughs> and it still got his goat, so the bit still worked. Yeah. I got nothing on the whole like fucking with your sister. You're siblings an older thing. sibling. Right. I mean I'm the older sister, I have a younger brother, but he and I are five and a half years apart. So I mean we're super close now and we fuck with each other all the time. Just for funsies. But like when we were kids, we were far enough apart that we didn't really have anything in common. Like I mean, most of the time we spent together it was like me driving him and his friends around because both of our parents' works so was like, hey, you get to take him to baseball practice. But yeah, no, so I don't really have anything to contribute to. The... But he was never, like, one to sneak up on you or something while you were with a guy? No, I mean, granted, I didn't really date in high school, actually. My parents tried to out or my mom did. No, wait, it was both of them. They tried to out me at one point in high school because I just didn't date. And so they would kind of, every now and then, just sort of poke, see, like, okay, is there somebody, like, you're not telling us about? What's going on in your life? <laughs> and I remember sort of my dad sneaking into the conversation at one point, so... You seeing anybody? Anybody special? Any boys you want to tell us about? Any girls? I mean, you know, we love you no matter what. Like, they just kind of slipped it in there. <laughs> trying to gay bait you? <laughs> trying to get me to slip up. I'm like, not really. I just, I, to this day even really, I don't date that much to my, which drives my parents insane. But that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I, honestly, I never, it never really got that way with me. I didn't really bring any girls home uh, all the time, uh, especially since I didn't have any girlfriends at all, really, during middle school. So it was really moot point. Uh, and same thing with my sister. I don't think we really brought people home with us. Well, I, I've got nothing, really. I yes, think uh, We have another clip, though, don't we? Um, I think we'll end on that, actually. Kyle will hear it, but um, can find a way to just sort of close it out. And well, I have just, before you go, I, before you finish that, I want to uh, just put a concluding word with those fights and stuff. Again, it wasn't my older brother, but my father had an older brother as well. And the end of both of those situations with both my father and my best friend was that my dad said that he had a terrible relationship with his brother, and his brother used to kick the crap out of him all the time. And the same thing, again, with my friend's older brother. He used to beat us up. And there was one day where they got to be around the same size, and the younger brother beat up the older brother. My dad beat up his brother, and my friend beat up his brother. And it was like, you know, real fist fights. Once the younger brother can punch back, and that's kind of the yeah, end once of it. You, and you win, and then that's it. And then there was like yep. a, more of a mutual respect after that, that sort of deal. So again, we'll uh, we'll take it down to this uh, next clip then. Okay. Here, here is Kyle Bailey with um, Tickle Tickle Little Star. <laughs> hey, That is the perfect place to that end is, the Yeah, that's, that's perfect. So on that note, thank you very much for joining us, Kyle Bailey. You got anything you want to plug, shout out, 20 seconds of fame? Oh, no, thanks thanks for having me. And it was great to, to hear some of these things that I had uh, completely forgotten about and remember definitely how much fun we had sometimes with this ridiculous uh, Danziger zone.
that we were part of. <laughs> you will be back, I, I, I would hope, because uh, there's only so much more. We've only scratched the surface. Correct. Yeah, if you got more, I, w- I would love to hear it, so for sure. We'll bring our worst. Please do. <laughs> that, was, that was hilarious. I know I'm going to end up cracking up at another point tonight about that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll stick with you for a couple days. Yeah, definitely. I hope that, you know, you end up having to insult someone and you break that out. (laughs) Kyle Bailey here with us on Lost and Rewound. We'll be back in a little bit. our show folks thank you again to kyle bailey for joining us all the way from new mexico lost and rewound is hosted by elon danziger jimmy hoffman melissa lloyd and produced by doug johnson don't forget you can always check us out online at lostandrewound.com. find us on twitter and facebook at lost and rewound drop us a line at lost and at gmail.com and exciting news we're on itunes now too Hello! yay all right <laughs> <laughs> So, so you can add that to your list of places to find us, always lost and rewound. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this time. We'll be back with another exciting Father's Day episode. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs>